This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Wednesday, April 17th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. U.S., Japan, talk trade, agree to meet again. Steel groups petitioned Supreme Court on tariffs. USMCA analysis expected this week. U.S. and Japan wrap up talks and agree to meet again. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Japanese Economy Minister Toshimitsu Motegi wrapped up two days of talks yesterday and kick-started negotiations for a long-awaited U.S.-Japan free trade agreement. No major accomplishments were announced, but both countries agree they will meet again in the near future to continue the talks. United States and Japan discussed trade issues involving goods, including agriculture, as well as the need to establish high standards in the area of digital trade, the office of the U.S. Trade Representative said in a statement. FDAs can take years to negotiate, but the U.S. ag sector is hoping for a speedy as possible process to make up for the loss of the Trump administration pulling out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership in 2017. That Pacific Rim Pact, included Japan, was implemented last December. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, under threat of auto tariffs, agreed to a free trade deal last September, but said Japan would not be willing to give more access to U.S. farm goods than it agreed to and the TPP. The U.S. exported $13 billion worth of ag commodities to Japan last year. That, according to USDA data, making it the fourth largest foreign market for U.S. farm goods. Steel Group asked Supreme Court review of the Section 232 tariffs. Steel importers are taking their challenge to the Trump administration's import tariffs to the Supreme Court. The American Institute for International Steel filed a petition with the High Court Monday asking it to review a Court of International Trade decision last month that sided with the administration while still expressing doubts about executive authority. The Section 232 tariffs, 25% on steel, 10% on aluminum, went into effect March 2018. The Court of International Trade said its decision was governed by the 1976 precedent that gives the president discretion to impose the tariffs. USMCA analysis expected this week. The U.S. International Trade Commission's economic analysis of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement expected to be released this week may be less consequential than analysis of previous free trade agreements, according to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. That's because the USMCA is mostly a continuation of NAFTA, which has already been spurring increased trade with virtually no tariffs, especially on ag, for more than two decades. But USMCA does offer improvements over NAFTA, like blocking the behind-the-border barriers against U.S. exports, the Chamber said. Demonstrating the benefits of these rules in dollar terms is exceedingly difficult, yet these rules were very much at the forefront of the industry concerns during the negotiations. They are hugely important to the business and agriculture communities. FSIS proposes axing dual label requirements on certain meat and poultry products. USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service is proposing to remove duplicative net weight and net content requirements for package labels containing meat or poultry products that weigh less than four pounds or one gallon in volume. FSIS proposed the change after receiving a petition from a small meats processor. 
FSIS Administrator Carmen Rottenberg said FSIS doesn't believe that a duplicative labeling requirement helps consumers and sees it as an unnecessary requirement for industry. The proposal would allow companies to give the weight or contents in one unit of measurement on the product label rather than using both. New research helps corn growers lower nitrogen use. Michigan State researchers are recommending corn growers leave consistently underperforming areas of their fields alone when it comes time to apply nitrogen fertilizer. Research published in Scientific Reports is the first to quantify nitrogen losses from the low worth of sub-yield fields for 70 million acres of farmland in the Midwest, MSU said. Bruno Basso, MSU professor of ecosystem science and lead author of the study, said the findings allow farmers to know exactly which portions of their farm fields have stable yields, which allows them to better manage their variable fields to save money, reduce fertilizer losses, and lower greenhouse gas emissions. By looking at how much Corn Belt farmers spend on fertilizer that goes unused, Basso and his fellow authors concluded the best outcome for both farmers and the environment is to avoid fertilizing the underperforming areas of each field. In fact, he said, it may be better from an economic standpoint to leave these areas unfarmed, to plant them with conservation grasses or in the future with perennial bioenergy crops, according to MSU. APHIS to fund electronic tag traceability projects for cattle. USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service will provide $1 million to support animal disease traceability and electronic identification projects for cattle. According to a stakeholder announcement, the money will go to projects looking at how linking ultra-high-frequency back tags would work with other devices to track cattle movement and collect disease data. Backtags are used extensively in livestock markets, and they need to learn more about how adding radio frequency identification or RFID functionality will support traceability in these high-volume, fast-paced environments, according to APHIS. Zenke strikes gold in new board position. Former Interior Secretary Ryan Zenke, who left the department in December under a cloud of ethics allegations, has a new gig as a board member of U.S. Gold Corp. The company touted Zenke's experience at Interior and announcing his hiring. He has an in-depth knowledge of governmental regulatory permitting process for mining and exploration companies, Gold Corp. CEO Edward Carr said. We look forward to his future contributions to the overall board, technical committees, and permitting access with our Copper King project in Wyoming. Zinke, who will be paid more than $100,000 for the gig, told the Associated Press his new job does not violate federal law prohibiting lobbying after leaving the administration. I don't lobby, Zinke told the AP. I just follow the law, so I don't talk to anybody on the executive side or influence anyone. Well, that's Daybreak for this Wednesday, April 17th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Alley.